0: Welcome to Faithbrook Church. If we have not had the chance to meet yet, my name is Mike DelGallo, and I serve as a Connections Pastor here on staff. I love that we have the ability to be able to worship both on site, online, and for those of you watching later, uh, on demand as well. Well, if you are a guest with us this morning, maybe this is your first time here, maybe it's been a few times, I want to encourage you, if you are here, to reach to the seat back in front of you and grab a blue Connection card. And if you could, fill that out, and at the end of the service, you could drop it off into one of the offering boxes as you leave. And you can also go to faithbrook.church forward slash guest and fill out a digital card as well. Well, whether you fill out a physical or a digital card, two things are going to happen. The first is I would love to personally just follow up with you and just thank you for taking time this weekend to join us in worship. And second, on behalf of Faithbrook, we would love to make a $5 donation to Cross Food Shelf just as a way to help support our local outreach ministry and also just a way to celebrate you joining in with us. And this is something that we do every weekend that we do to help support uh, local outreach and uh, other ministries. So I look forward Forward to connecting with you and making that donation on uh, your behalf. Well, maybe you've been coming around Faithbrook for a bit. Maybe uh, you've been coming around for a couple weeks or so, and you're wondering, uh, just wanting to know a little bit more about who Faithbrook is. Well, if that's you, I want to encourage you to stick around after service. In about five minutes, when service is done, right up here in the front right, we're going to have what's called a Discovery Class. And the class is all about learning about who Faithbrook is, what makes us tick, and uh, what we're all about. And also, you get an opportunity to meet our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as well. So if this is you and you're wanting to, you learn a little bit more about who Faithbrook is and maybe even sing about what you can do to take a next step in getting connected. Uh, you will not want to miss out a discovery happening right after, uh, right after this service today. Well, today we have a great service going on. We have a, a few moments where we're going to continue in singing through worship so you can go ahead and stand up as we continue singing together. And then just after that, we're going to hear a great message from our lead pastor, Jim Comfort, as we continue our series, Dangerous Prayers.
1: Well, my family and I were Late night channel surfing, and uh, perusing some of those B channels, and there was this show that popped up, and we're like, "Hey, we remember that show!" And it was the show called The Fear Factor. Anybody remember The Fear Factor, right? I mean, some people did some very dangerous, crazy feats. They're walking on a tightrope over a raging river, right? They're they're eating worms with snakes tiling around their, their legs. They're blazing through some wall on fire with a car. And it's like, who would do that? That's just nuts, right? How dangerous. Why would they do that? Oh, there was a big prize. Oh, okay. Well, speaking of dangerous things, here at Faithbrook, we've been talking about dangerous prayers. And I'm Pastor Jim, and I'm so glad that you guys have come to worship with us today. Maybe you're viewing us online or on demand this week, and uh, we're looking forward to Thanksgiving. we got a couple days off, right? It's going to be a great week. Meantime, we're kind of focusing on these uh, risky, dangerous prayers. Now, they've been inspired by uh, some characters in the Bible who are willing to say some of these prayers. For instance, um, David in Psalms 139, where he came to the end of that chapter and said, God, search me. See if there's any offensive ways in me. See, know my anxious thoughts. Check out my heart. I mean, it takes a lot of courage. Just open yourself up. We can either hide from God or we can be honest with God. And when we're honest with God, God can start doing some healing and bring some wholeness and forgiveness into our life. Now, last week, we ratcheted up a little bit. We looked at Isaiah, who was willing to uh, have an encounter with God. And he came to the end of that and said, the dangerous prayer of "Send me and God would send him to be an incredible voice uh, for for the people and write this epic book of the book of Isaiah. And we find out that when we're willing to say these dangerous prayers, that God can do some amazing things in us and through us. Well, this morning, we're going to be talking about probably the most risky, uh, confronting prayer of them all, and that has to do with the prayer of, Lord, break me. Now, I would submit that a lot of times Christians do not want to uh, say this prayer. Um, It sounds painful in the first part. Who who wants to be broken? In fact, this is probably one of the most uh, radical messages that you're going to be hearing. Some of you are going to be like, whoa, this guy's over the top. I don't know about this. I'm just checking out this church. I'm not even sure if I'm a Christian. And uh, he's really uh, sharing some things that make me a little bit uncomfortable. So uh, we're going to go there this, this Sunday, so hang on. Well, what does it look like biblically to say this prayer, break me? What does that look like? Where do we get that from? Well, probably the most famous uh, example of this is Christ Jesus himself. The night he was being betrayed by Judas, he knew he was up against it. Uh, he had the foreknowledge and understanding of what was in front of him. He is eventually going to get interrogated by the Jewish hierarchy, dragged into the Roman Empire, and they were brutal. They were excruciating. And finally, he would be crushed and broken on the cross. And so the Gospel of Mark shares his account that he was wrestling with this. And Mark writes it this way. They went to a place called Gethsemane, and Jesus said to disciples, sit here while I pray. He took Peter and James and John along with him, They began to be deeply distressed and troubled. Um, If you were up against that, you you might be a little bit distressed also. Uh, Not just a little bit. He was deeply troubled. My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. I mean, what level is that? Have you ever been to that point where where you're just so stressed out, so in the midst of turmoil and agony that, that it's almost a point of death? And he said to his disciples, now stay here, keep watch. Now, if you go to another gospel, Luke's account, Luke's account says that he was crying so hard that his, his sweat turned into blood. Uh, medical experts tell us that this can happen, has happened, to the point that the, the body is so intense, it's so stressed that, that uh, your blood starts oozing out of your pores. This is where Christ was. Now, most of you know that it wasn't Christ God himself. The God, the Father, the Son, and Holy Spirit, yes, he was. But at the same time, he was all human. And his humanity was was coming forth, and he's wrestling with the the physical pain and the emotional agony that he would go through. So Mark continues on in verse 35, going a little farther. he, He fell to the ground, and he prayed that if possible, the hour might pass him. Abba, Father, he said, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me. Now, Jesus knew this was impossible. He knew there's only one way that mankind could be redeemed. There was only going to be by his divine sacrifice and blood that would be deep enough, rich enough, pure enough to atone for mankind's sin. Those who repent, those who ask for it. It couldn't be by our our works, and they've had this plan for a long time. But now he's coming up against it, and he's like, oh, I, I don't know if I can go through with it. God, if there's any other way, maybe maybe, maybe some other way, let it go through. He's thinking of himself right here. He, he's so in agony. He's so under excruciating anguish. He doesn't know where to go. They, they tell us the word excruciation comes from word from the cross. It began there where Christ is wrestling with this. But in this prayer, this time of wrestling, he comes to that point where he says this dramatic prayer, yet not what I will, but what you will. Not what I wish, not what it would be preferable for me, but I'm breaking, I'm going all in, but what you will. In other words, break me, God, use me, fill me, show me, I go forth. And right there, Jesus Christ settled it. He was completely broken And God would provide for him in miraculous ways to endure the interrogation and go through the the torturous whipping and the the nails and the thorns and eventually the suffocation of his body. And because he was willing to say that prayer, God, break me. I'm willing, not my will, but your will, the most epic, world-changing, time-splitting, life-transformation event happened in world history, the cross and the resurrection because Jesus was willing to model for us what it means to be broken, to say, break me, use me, not my will, but yours. Well, is there any other uh, examples in the Bible? where we kind of see this point where people needed to be broken in Acts chapter 1. After Jesus rose from the dead, he had about 40 days kind of wrapping things up, and he realized the whole redemptive plan for the world were going to be in his followers. There wasn't very many of them. Acts 1 says about 120 of them. But he realized, man, they didn't need a deeper work in their life. They were just kind of flaky a little bit, inconsistent. When push came to shove, they all kind of bailed out on God. Half the time they're fighting with each other. They're just super immature, and they're just really still focusing on themselves. And Jesus said, I need to stay right here. Because you're going to need a, a, a deeper work in your life. You're going to have to come to that point where you're willing to say, break me, we're willing. It's not about me anymore. It's all about God. And so they, they stayed there for several days, and they're praying. They're getting hungry. And then we see in Acts 2, God did something supernatural. We're Christians, we call it Pentecost, where, where the Holy Spirit that there was like a fire fell down on them and they were just supernaturally empowered and infused with God's holy love, his holy power that just took over them. In Acts 2, we see different type of Christians. They were just kind of selfish over here, followers, believers, but now they were totally, fully dedicated in love, totally with Jesus Christ, broken, going before, and the world was changed. Now, this, this is probably where I start losing people, right? They're like, oh, no, this guy's getting radical. He's going to be turning me into a Jesus freak, and I don't know about that, right? I kind of like my Christianity kind of just mellow and easy, right? <laughs> right? I, it kind of equated to, to jumping in the, the swimming pool in the shallow end. Some, somebody invites you to ask Jesus into your, your heart and say yes to Jesus. He wants to forgive you. And by his amazing grace and his love, he's willing to forgive us, and we become a child of God. And we jump into the pool, and there's other people in the pool and say, man, I've been forgiven. I'm a child of God. This is good. He's with me. Feeling pretty good, right? woo right? And you look down to the end of the building, that, that that's the deep end. And pretty soon, Jesus, Holy Spirit, is like, well, well, have you ever tried the deep end? Oh, I don't know about the deep end. You know, I, don't, I can't touch the bottom. And you start losing control, and, you know, I just sleep. not. Nah. Oh, why don't you come down here? This is where uh, the the fullness of God is. This is where you are fully dependent on him. And by his Holy Spirit, he's going to help you swim and float and go deep and up. And it's going to be wonderful. And a lot of times we're like, I I don't know about that because I don't want to be broken. It seems a little bit scary for us. But God does call. And God calls us to the deep. Come to me. And see, I would submit to you, a lot of times we have this tug-of-war happening in our lives. I've, I've had plenty of tug-of-wars. So to be honest with you, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I, I want my way, and I kind of would like to do this, and this seems much easier or whatever. And God's like, yeah, I, I want you to come my way, Jim. I, I want you to do it my way, and I want to be the Lord, and I want to be the leader of your life totally. And, and there's this tension, and, and, and before you know we're not very happy. In fact, a lot of times, we have just enough Christianity to make us miserable. We have just enough Jesus to make us miserable. We're just playing with God. We're just in the shallow wind. This is good, but God says, no, I'm, I want all of you. I'm a, I'm a jealous God. I want to be your king. I want to be your Lord, not just your Savior. And sometimes we, we come to the point where we say, God, break me, in in a message. Uh, sometimes it's, it's a crisis that we come to the so brokenness in our own life that only God, that we have to, he wants all of us. We Last week we we uh, introduced Gus Lopez, and he shared about that he was a believer in God. He wasn't a very good believer, right? And he finds himself in this prison cell, and they're about to throw away the keys, and he's crying out, God, he's God, God, I am totally yours. Break me. Bail me out of this. I need you so much. I've been playing around with you. I'm willing to do anything. Go anywhere. I'm all yours. And God filled him. And the next thing you know, God did some amazing miracles. Sometimes it happens in crisis. Sometimes it just comes from someone sharing, like, like myself a minister or a communicator, if you will. This happened to me when I was probably 23, 24, somewhere around there. I was coming to the end of my college years, and, uh, man, I was a Christian, and, uh, man, I, I couldn't wait to set sail and get into a career and feeling good, and somebody invited me to these special ser- church services called Revival Services, and, and I went in there, and this guy was preaching. I don't even know who who, who was preaching. But all I remember, man, he started preaching about this prayer, about going all in, and he started convicting me and confronting me about it, but maybe sometimes we hold some same things back, that we don't want to trust God to go totally into the deep end, to go fully into him, fully, and I was like, man, that's me. Nobody could see that, but I knew it, right? And as he continued to preach about it, I was like, man, I, I, I gotta make a decision here, and I came to that point right there where I was sitting that I said that prayer, God break me, and they invited us forward, and, man, I, I surrendered my whole life to Christ. I, I surrendered my sins when I got saved, but he didn't have all of me. And, man, when I surrendered my life, man, there was something amazing happening. This love of God just flooded over me. I know sometimes we're like, well, why would I want to do that? I, I, I don't know if I want to go all in with God. I kind of I like the shallow end. It kind of scares me, right? Well, back to that that fear factor show. Why would anybody do that? Why would we do that crazy stuff? Well, oh, there's a pot of money at the end. If they outlast everyone else, man, they're going home rich, famous, happy to some degree for some little while, right? It's the same way almost with Christ. Christ does not necessarily, he's not into fulfilling you with all kinds of money and ease and pleasure, but he wants to go something deeper in your life. That's love. So when we are completely broken, God can completely fill us. And there's some benefits. There's some amazing blessings when we pray by faith, God, break me. One of the things that happens is that we are set free. We are free from our sins when we're saved by his grace through the cross and his blood. But when we are willing to say, God, break me entirely, we are free from ourselves. Now, I would suggest to you a lot of times we are still just all about us right? Even though we have a smile on our face and we're nice and we give money once in a while or something like that, we still want to like, life is about me. And a lot of times we're spending a lot of energy about, well, what's my status? Have I accomplished anything? Am I having fun? What's my comfort level? Look at me, how great I am. Me, 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 me. And finally, when we died ourselves, when we are set free man we're more consumed with god we're free from ourselves we don't have to worry about what people think of me what they say about me man we're we're, god's love is is developing us that we can be free now speaking of love i would i would suggest that's a second benefit of just coming to the point of going all in with christ break me god finally his love can completely fill us so when we invite jesus into our heart his love comes within us absolutely but not entirely. It's kind of like what Paul was saying in Ephesians 5.18. Do not be drunk with wine, because that will ruin your life. You, you, you get caught up with wine and alcohol and stuff, it can ruin you. But be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a difference between just pouring a little bit in and being entirely filled with the Holy Spirit. I would suggest a lot of times we, we fill our life with a whole bunch of things uh, of, of the world, right? Paul picks on, uh, wine, whatever, but there's so many other things We're like, yes, this and that, and this kind of stuff. And Jesus just gets a little part over here, right? And, And we're in this tug of war kind of thing. And here Paul says, man, man, don't, don't go consume the things of the world, man, but be consumed with me. Let God entirely fill you with his love. And then when God invades our life, right? It's not so much with, maybe ease and wealth, but invades us with the most important thing that we need, my friends, and that is his love. And only Christ and his Holy Spirit can get to the bottom of our soul and fill us and complete us and heal us and engulf us with his love and purpose. Now, a lot of times we resist it. Like I said, this is a tough message. Um, a lot of times we, we like invite uh, and Jesus into our hearts But not into our entire life. It's kind of like inviting Jesus and the Holy Spirit into our our heart. You know, Jesus himself doesn't come into our heart. His, His personality, his spirit, the Holy Spirit lives within us. We're like, yes. I say yes to Jesus. It's kind of like, okay. Come in, Jesus, and sit right over here in the living room, okay? we got some milk and cookies for you. I'm so happy that you're into my heart and my life. If I died, I wouldn't be going down to that place, but I get to go here because you're right here. And, Jesus, if we ever need you, we got problems or whatever, we know where to find you, okay? You're cool? Great. And then we just kind of run around life, and we hardly let him take over our whole home, right? We, we kind of like to have our own home. So, so let's say the Holy Spirit is sitting in our living room, behaving himself, loving us, yes. But the Holy Spirit wants all of us. He wants the whole house. The, the, the Bible says that God is a jealous God. He doesn't want to be second, third, fourth. He wants to be number one in our life. And so he's, he started looking around. And he knows looking in your kitchen over there. And man, there's all kinds of busyness in the kitchen and stuff. And he's like, hello, I'm wondering if you allow me in your kitchen. Well, you might say with Jesus. You know that's kitchen. That's where it gets really messy. We got kids in there, and sometimes we lose our temper and we're anxious, and ah, it's just kind of life. You better not go in there. It's just kind of messy. We just do our own thing. Oh, so the Holy Spirit said, looks down your hall. What's going on down that hall in that, that, that room? There's kind of fl- flickering lights and stuff. Oh, that's our entertainment room. Oh, man, we got the big screen stuff and we like this and listen to this and all. She said, I'd like to go down there. I'd like to. Oh, now, you know, I'm not sure if that would be good for you. You probably wouldn't appreciate what we were watching. You probably wouldn't appreciate what we're listening to. You know, that's a, kind of our thing, right? You stay over here in the living room and we're going to do whatever we want, all kind of stuff. And she said, Well, I. I really feel like I could help you and guide you, and mm, yeah, I don't know, right? And and then Holy Spirit, says, I noticed that you go down some stairs, downstairs. Well, that's that's the basement. Oh, you got a basement? Well, would you would you allow me going down the basement? Well, I don't know about the basement. The basement's kind of a dirty area, right? There's some old stuff down there, and we just kind of hide stuff down there. And you know, there's some stuff we're just hanging on to. And we're not going to release that, and mm, back there, and yeah, I'm not sure if you'd be comfortable. That's that's kind of our space. That's how we have with the Holy Spirit. You just you just stay right here in our heart. But we're not sure if we want you in our work, in our finances, in our time. We 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 just re- just compartmentalize you. And yet here's the Holy Spirit saying, No, I I want you to be broken to the point where I can have all your whole life. Will you allow me to bring love? And help and and security and guidance in these all these different and before you know it, if you're willing to let his love engulf you and develop you, what happens is it's fruits of the Spirit. Galatians talks about these, these byproducts of the Holy Spirit. Before you know it, that there's some joy in your life. There's there's love and some gentleness. There's more self-control. There's forgiveness, not because we it's easy for us, but because the Holy Spirit helps us to forgive other people, kindness, and faithfulness. And for you know, you're you're more like Jesus every day because you're filled with God's love. And another thing that can happen to us is that he can fill us with his power, his power to overcome temptation. You know, Jesus not only can save us and does save us, but here's a news flash for you that Christ and his Holy Spirit can help us overcome temptation. See, there's a lot of Christians out there that are always like, well, I can't make it. I can't overcome temptation. I'm just a sinner. I sin all, all, all the time. And, and that, that's like... That's like um, uh, you know, nails on a chalkboard to me, right? So what you're saying is that Jesus can is only strong enough to save you from your sins, but He cannot help you in the future when you overcome temptations. Is is that all the power that He has? Did He not say there's going to be a Holy Spirit that will empower you? Did He not in the Bible said there's no temptation that is common to you that God will not help help you overcome and find a way? out. See, if my Jesus and my God and his Holy Spirit is only more powerful enough to save me from my sins, but can't really help me when it comes crunch time, man, what kind of God is that? No, we can have a power. There can be victory in our decisions. And and that doesn't mean that we're perfect in performance every day. Yes, there will be struggles. There will be failures. Absolutely. But we don't just give up and say, well, I can't do it. See, no, we grow all the time. And before you know it, when you die, when you come to the end of yourself, and you pray that prayer, break me, there's a change that happens in our heart. That instead of the bent, bentness towards ourselves... It starts becoming a bent towards God. So all of a sudden, you're like, man, I want to please God. It almost becomes natural to some degree. You're like, I, no, I, I don't want to do that anymore. Gus Lopez said that last week. You know, he had thought nothing about stealing. And then the Holy Spirit's like, you know, that's not cool. You don't need to do that. He's like, no, I'm not stealing anymore. I, I'm, I'm not stealing. Why? Because the Holy Spirit filled him, gave him power to say, I don't need to do that anymore. And before you know it, you're, you're living like Jesus. You're looking a little bit more like Jesus. Sure, is there rough edges? Is there personality traits? Absolutely. But God can help us have the power to overcome. But it takes that prayer to say, hey, break me. I'm done with myself. I want completely all of you. Fill me. Here I am. We see this example of, of Saul as he turned into the Apostle Paul in Galatians 2.20. He says, My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live. Somewhere, Paul wasn't dealing with his sin, okay? Christ forgave him miraculously, okay? He forgave him. Paul wasn't, he was dealing with his old self, he was dealing with his will, not his sin. Who's gonna own his life? Who's gonna make the decisions? Who gets to be the Lord and the boss of his life? Here, Paul says, I'm done. Crucified means I've come to the end of myself. I made a decision, i am broken. Here I am. He goes on and says, It is not I who live anymore. So I live in this earthly body by trusting the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Oh, it's not always easy living 100% for God but he's realizing that he can live that way because his identity, his security, his purpose is all about God. The, the life I now live is God. And by the way, he loved me. Look at the cross. He paid a high price for me. I can go forward in that blessing and promise. And number four, that God's benefit is that he fills us with his passion, that you know we're willing to be humble. We don't always have to have our way. We can yield. That, that's okay. You take the front seat. You need something? I'm here to help you. Hey, I want to share. And we're going to talk about that more next Sunday. And these four things remind us that that it's worth saying, God, break me. Now, many times we have to renew this. Uh, we might have done this back like I did in college, and it's like, oh, yes, I remember that prayer. I, I went forth, right? And, 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 but all of a sudden, flesh, disappointments, the world starts creeping back. Before we know it, we're, still, we're becoming our own boss, and sometimes we have to be reminded and say that prayer again. God, break me. I appreciate an author, Alan Nelson. He wrote a book, Broken It in All the Right Places broken in all the right places. A lot of times God can't really fill us and use us until we're broken completely. And in many different places, I remember a place, mm, it was in the nineties uh, where I had to be broken again. I had to say that prayer again. I was in youth ministry and I got called later in life as youth ministry. And they said, Hey, you need to go to Bible college and, and get your biblical education, things like this. And so while I'm Bible college, I just uh, got a burden about um, churches that uh, uh, seem to be just kind of for Christians. Um, and I was bugged me that there wasn't many churches that I have confidence that I can invite my neighbors because when I brought them to my church, they were good people. Yes, good people, but they were singing songs that they all knew, but my neighbors didn't know, right? And they were talking different languages and lingo that they didn't know. It was kind of like a Christian club. And, and I was like, God died on the cross not just for Christians, but more for the lost people, and we need to Infinite, well, and then God said, well, that, that means you would have to be the lead pastor. You might have to make one, grow one, do something. It's like, lead pastor? Me? I'm just this, this little immature youth pastor kind of guy. Eh. And it's like, yeah, you could be preacher pastor. I'm like, oh, man. And I don't know about that. And I started thinking that through. And next thing I know is that, you know, if I do that, then I, then I have to send out a resume. And then they might send me to some church or some place that I don't want to go. And, and, and it was maybe some podunk little area, hmm. and I struggled with that. Now, just pause that for a second. Two years before, a year and a half or something, my wife, Terry, uh, she was born in southeast Ohio, right up against uh, West Virginia. Now, I'd never been there in my life, but they were having some kind of family reunion or something. Just, she, Her family eventually moved her out of that area, but they were having this event, so I was just son-in-law. I just drove the car, right? And we're going back to this area, right? And we're looking around, and uh, man, personally, I was not impressed, all right? No offense to that area. It's right up against Kentucky and Appalachian, and and it was just like the rust bucket of America. There was just like poverty everywhere, and hills, and everybody was like, guns and knives, and I says, wow, I'm a city slicker. Woo, let's get out of here. Let's go back to the big cities, go west, right? Whew. All right, now, so I'm struggling with this this calling to be this pastor and down deep I'm like I'll be a I'll be a preaching pastor but I don't want to go to podunk, right? And uh so I, so I had an appointment with my senior leader of the senior pastor of this church and and I was I just confessed to him. I said, you know, I think he's calling me in to be more senior pastor, lead, preaching pastor, and I'm not sure if I can do it, but but I have to confess, I said, Man, if I do that they the only shot, I might, they might send me out to rural Kansas or something like that, and I'm just not comfortable with that. What do, you, what do you think? And he said something I'll never forget. I did not appreciate it at the time. He said, Jim, you are not ready to be a lead pastor until you're willing to go anywhere and do anything. In the conversation. I was like, man, I knew he was right. I had to go back to my garden, Gethsemane. And me and God, we wrestled and we talked. And he said, Jim, are you willing to be broken? Are you willing to go anywhere, even if I call you someplace you don't want to go? In the West Kansas, that was my, my place. I was like, oh, amazing. Send me to Podunk, West Kansas. There's nothing out there. I'm to be stuck out there for years, right? And um, so I finally came to the conclusion. I was like, yes, God, I'm broken. I'll go anywhere, do anything, right? I sent out my resumes, right? Here I am, little little squeaky, innocent, little Bible college candidate. You know, Here, I want to be a preacher. Okay, 50 resumes, I'll never forget that, right? Who wants to take me, right? 50 resumes, right? I got one back. One of all the places. Woohoo, good for me, right? Guess where that was? Southeast Ohio are you kidding me? And we got this little church. It's only like four years old. They meet in this pizza joint. There's about 30 of them, right? And it's right, it was like 15 miles from this place I was visiting two years ago. As I said, I'd never go there. That's the worst place in America. No way. I'm like, God, no, you can't do this to me. Is there other any places? I'll even go to Kansas maybe, but not to Rust Bucket, right? I don't want to do that, right? Nothing, so I'm struggling. We call the church. They're like, hey, we'd love to have you comforts. We're like, uh, we just had a little baby boy. We got like a car payment. And like, well, we don't have much money, but, you know, well, $600, $700 a month, do, do you? Uh, I'm, I'm not sure, right? Hey, by the way, we got a double Y trailer for you. Double Y trailer. Me and Terry are looking at each other like, what's that? Right? I don't, I don't know, right? So I'm really like, mm, not feeling good about this, right? Not feeling bad because maybe there's another opportunity out there. And uh, I remember I was walking up from our basement wrestling with this. We had to make a decision. And, man, the Holy Spirit got a hold of me and said, Hey, comfort, is that deal still real about you being broken? You'd go anywhere, do anything. Man, that stopped me. It stopped me. It stuck me. I knew that I to be honest. And once again, I said, God, I'm willing to be broken. Break me. Use me. Doesn't matter my status. Doesn't matter how far I am from my family. Doesn't matter how much I get paid, what we live on. I'm your man. Break me. I'm all yours. I told Terry, I said, we got to make a call. Let's call him pretty soon. We piled up to U-Haul. Had a little baby sitting there. Never met these people in our lives. Never been there in our lives. We drive 1,200 miles in the middle of the night. We get up there and there's our little Double Y trailer. Here's our little people. Whoa. But my friends, I want to tell you, when you're obedient to God, when you're willing to be broken, God does amazing things in you and through you. Before you know it... God starts showing up, and there was miracles, and we started building a, a brand new building on outside that little village. That village was only like, they call it a village in Ohio, okay, not little towns. It had one stoplight and two pizza joints and a Barney Five for a policeman, right? And it was awesome, and for three and a half years, God, that church started growing, and uh, God did change lives, and, and some incredible things happened, and our, and our faith just grew. We couldn't believe how God just provided and bailed us out. It was just exciting times when we are obedient, when we're completely broken. God can do some amazing things. Well, my friends, it was a transformational time. And since then, God's always said, God, Jim, are you willing? to still be broken. We still answer that prayer. And through the years, there's been other pivotal times where God was even looking for something, for it to change, to give, to do, to be, to go. And they were hard, not our will or God's will. And so many times we've had to come to that point and say, God, break us, use us. We're all yours. And every time... That God said, I want you to do this. We're scared to death, right? So many times God said, That's good. I I, I don't really need all $50,000 from you. I know you're willing to give that money, but I, I know you're willing to go to Africa. I know you're willing to go to Mars, but I'm not sending you to Africa. I'm not sending you to Mars. You know what? And God's replenished and God's restored and God showed up because he just wants a broken heart. He just wants us to be broken in all the right places, to be in the deep areas that we are totally dependent on him, that we are fully devoted to him. And we have to re-up this a lot of times. And what that takes, my friends, is that we come to the place of dying out to ourselves. I'm not talking about salvation. I'm talking about your will. Who's the Lord of your will? life. And Jesus tried to bring this up to the people that were following him in in Matthew 16. If anyone wishes to come after me, he must deny himself, take up the cross and follow me. You got to deny yourself, take up the cross. Crosses are heavy. Crosses are painful. Me wants to be the leader of our life, but we have to die to that, be crucified to that, break me, use me, fill me. I know this is counterintuitive, but this is the way of the abundant life. This is the deep end. This is where we're like, oh, my goodness, the Holy Spirit is providing power. The Holy Spirit is providing love. Uh, the Holy Spirit is doing miracles around me because we are in the deep end, completely open and being used of God. My friends, can I just point out that if, God went, if Christ went all the way to the cross for you, he's not going to let you down. He's not going to throw you in the deep end. You're going to sink to the bottom, and this is no fun. I can't believe it, and I should have never done it. Oh, no. Christ said, no, 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 you're my child, and now I can really use you in amazing ways. Just be broken. Just be open. And in fact, Jesus went on in that Matthew 16. says, for whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. Mm. But whoever loses his life, you're willing to lose your life, to say, I'm broken, will find it. yes purpose, power, that life is not all about me, it's about God. And then God is like, oh, I can use you, really? And and we can bring life and joy and help with people. It's not necessarily being preacher and pastor person, it's just being a a fully devoted, spirit-filled Christian out in this broken world. But I would submit to you, a lot of times, we have to re-up this. We have to ask ourselves, hey, are we still broken? In fact, every week I have a little procedure in my whole life that I check that off. That, I don't, that That God asks me, Jim, am I still king of your life? Am I still lord of your life? And I have to pause. I have to pray through that. Yes, God, I'll still be broken before you. Now, friends, I'm, the, I'm, I'm not the most polished pastor. I'm not the smartest pastor. I'm not the greatest pastor. But one thing I want to promise you and guarantee you that I'm, I'm going to be one of the most broken pastors because when I start getting out of my brokenness and think I can fix it all and do it all, that's when God drifts away a lot of times. i want to be right there, open-handed. If God ever wants anything to do anything, God, I'm, I'm your guy. Would you join me in that? Would you be willing to say that prayer, God, break me? See, when we are completely broken, God can completely fill us. And sometimes I have a, a, a vision and a picture that the majority of the attendees of Faithbrook the adults got so broken before God and said, God, I'm, I'm all yours. We're willing to jump into the deep end. You can have not only my heart, but my whole life. What could God do? What would that look out out there in the workplace, in our communities, in our sports or our hobbies? What could that look like in our schools that the teenager said, man, I'm all yours, God. I'll be the example. I'll be the, the kid that's been willing to be broken. You can use me, fill me, show me uh, uh, in our work our areas. Can you imagine that? People set on fire. I'm not talking about being obnoxious and dogmatic. I'm talking about people so filled with God's love that we're sensitive, that we walk in and we listen, we care. you need something, let me help. You need some prayer. That's, that's part of the fruits of the spirits, the passion of God that can help us. Now I realize these prayers are pretty dangerous. Search me, God. Look at my heart. Send me God. I'll be your voice, I'll be your person, whatever setting that is in. And finally, this one, break me, God. It's about the will. It's it your will or my will? In just a moment, I wanna give you an opportunity to say that prayer, break me, fill me, mm-hmm. use me. The worship team is gonna sing a song and it's about surrender, It's really the same thing. God, I surrender. Use me in any way you want. Maybe you said that 20 years ago or 15 years ago, and lately you haven't really thought about it. Maybe it's the first time you've ever been challenged, in a, the old-timers would call it a holiness message, that we'd be fully surrendered into him. Would you give God your attention? Maybe he's drawing you and speaking to you in this, this effort. Just a moment, we'll give you that chance, but let's let this song minister to you. Let's close our eyes in prayer. This is a holy moment. Maybe you didn't expect this this morning. Maybe you're viewing us online. But this is what I know. God so loves you that he pursues you. He pursues you all the way to the cross to forgive your sins, to give you eternal life. But more than that, he pursues you to go deep with him They come to that point where you would say, God, break me. I'm willing to be broken. I'm not sure what all that means, God, but by faith, I'm just gonna go to the deep end, God. I I just wanna be filled by you, whatever that means, your love, your power, your passion, God. I want all of that. Maybe God's been speaking to you right now that you're holding some things back. What is that that you're holding back from God? Would you trust him today with it? You let him redeem that and take that, trust him. Come to that point and say, God, not my will, but your will. That's me. If that's what you're sensing today, I want you to just communicate that to God by raising your hand. It's really an indication of your heart. And when you raise your hand, you're saying, God, that's me. I'm, I'm saying, break me, use me, fill me. I don't care what it is. Just, it's all yours. I'm all in for you. Just raise your hand to God right now. Nobody's looking around, but God's looking. He knows you. We're going to close in just a moment. You're going to be dismissed, but I just want to have the people raise their hand kind of look at me real quickly here. I'm going to pray with you if you allow me to do that. We're going to close up with a prayer and then for like 60 seconds, if you're willing, just come forward. We're going to have a little huddle here. I'm not sure who who, all raised their hand, but have a little huddle because I'm in. If you're willing to be in, then we're going to get in together and we're going to pray and God just anoint you, okay? Um, So let's, let's close. Jesus, we need you and we love you. We're so thankful, God, that it's more than just being saved, but we can be empowered, infused, engulfed by your incredible love, your spirit, God, that power and passion and purity, God, and and freedom can be all over us, not just our heart, but our whole life. We're thankful for that, God, and and, and so we're going to go this week into Thanksgiving being blessed and thankful, but also living for you. Help us now to do that, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, we're going to have Discovery class in about five minutes. But right now, if you raise your hand, I'd love to have you come. Let me pray for you. God bless.